Hi, and welcome to Ask Rev, the Christian podcast, where you guys can come on here and ask any question you guys have really been looking to answers to, be personal, biblical, theological, Christian, anything you've been wanting, a pastor's perspective. And you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ask Rev Podcast. You can email your questions at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. And you can even reach on the Q&A on Wayne's TikTok, rev.wayne. And guys, we're so glad to be able to do a podcast like this where we're able to kind of just start going with your questions and start asking them. So I thank you guys for so much for joining us for our first episode this week. Woo-hoo. We're really excited. All right. Well, let's jump right into the questions then. So what are your opinions on the different translations of scripture? Is one more accurate than the others? See, this is a really good question. One thing that you guys can really, uh, one resource you guys could use is Lifeway. Lifeway actually made a graph when they released the Christian Standard Bible, which is their uh, kind of flagship Bible that they're trying to really sell. They put on a map on what's more readable versus what's more literal. So things from word to word, from phrase to phrase as well. So they have this kind of graph which one's more readable from zero to 100 to word for word to uh, phrase by phrase bibles so that really kind of depends on you really when i start looking at bibles i like more word for word translation so i look at things like the esv the king james the new king james the amplified bible is really good as a resource but it can be a little bit muddled up because it throws so, so many more like words it's kind of a thesaurus mixed into a bible but then you have things like phrase-by-phrase Bibles, so like the NLT, the uh, message version, things like that. When it comes to Bibles, the only translation I will beg you guys not to use as your standard Bible would be like the message version or the living translation or the uh, living Bible. I think it's not, not the new life living translation, not the NLT. But the reason why I'm against these kind of Bibles is because they're really good for wanting to read cover to cover. But they really just kind of get the gist, the base gist out of what's going on in the scripture they're not really good translations the one who uh, when dr peterson wrote the message bible he wrote it for the purpose of having a translation that his kids could read at a young age when you're earlier or later on in your christian walk when you're a little bit older i recommend you something with more depth so you guys can read the scripture and its completeness i think sometimes too like i like carrying my ESV when I go to church, but if I just want to sit down and read, sometimes I'll read something else that's more written in that uh, novel style for easier time for just casual reading. Yeah, especially for like devotions and things like that. That's perfectly fine because you're kind of getting that um, just base novel out of it. Mm -hmm. So you're really kind of looking forward just to kind of get a word from God. But when I do like deep studies, when I go into my moment when I'm in the church, I normally carry a King James or I carry my ESV. I preach from the English Standard Version right now because it's just so much easier for me to use. But you really have to be careful. Do your research. Figure out which one you like. There is no such thing as a bad translation except for some of these kind of uh, progressive translations that are coming Mm -hmm. out now. I'd say very much steer clear of those. Make sure that the translations they're using are based on actual educated academic works that helped translate from the Greek, the Hebrew, and the uh, Aramaic, and the German and Latin. Because it's so important to bring things from the source material, not have something that somebody just decided, hey, we're going to make this and we're going to change the words in it because, hey, why not? So just be careful with that. I also think something to look into is what kind of commentators do you like? Because I know some people prefer, like my dad prefers reading notes in his Bible from John MacArthur, mm-hmm. where others might prefer Ryrie or Schofield. So looking into those commentators and seeing which ones you really agree with in their theology 
and then that might uh, make you decide better on what kind of version you want to read. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I really do, I collect Bibles. This is why I have kind of a perspective on which Bibles are really, really good to use. Uh, you know, growing up, Independent Fundamental Baptist, the, the, the devil translation was the NIV version. However, the NIV version is actually not that bad. There was one year, I think it was like the 1980-something. Uh, 87, that, I think. I think the 87 that came out that uh, where they removed certain scriptures, but now if you get a modern translation, the scriptures are back in. So there's always that kind of controversy there. But kind of researching on that, like the different commentators, like I have a Wiersbe Bible, I have the uh, Charles Spurgeon Bible, but what they did is went through and just took notes from them, the people who commented, commented on them, uh, made commentaries for them. And it was just really interesting to have their notes. But always remember this, you can only trust somebody's uh, commentary notes so far. So because they're still human, they're translating it just as much as you are. One thing is there's a lot of people smarter than I am, but that's why I have things like Ryrie Day, the Dake Bible, I think it is, uh, the Schofield, uh, Spurgeon, all these different commentators. I just love having their notes, so that's why I have them. That's why I really kind of stand on the fact that there's really no bad translation except for the ones that really don't really go into the deep word, like the progressive versions and things like that. Moving on to our next question. Is there an age limit on when you can become a pastor? That is a very good question. Really, uh, no, according to Scripture, there is no age limit except for having to be a born-again Christian, having to have a call into your life and ministry. But when we look at requirements for a pastor, that's a whole different conversation. So age limit, no. But once again, I'm not going to have a young Christian, somebody who just got saved, uh, come up and become a pastor within 30 seconds. So it's going to be a moment where you have to see some growth in them. That's really the age, their age in life of Christ and their maturity within Christ is what you want to look for for an age range. However, what I say to this is nowadays uh, 18 years or older is what your requirements are for a lot of people to become licensed in the ministry. A lot of people have to be 18 years or older by state laws because that's how all you have to be to be able to officiate weddings and funerals and things like that. Also because... Generally, that's how we see adulthood. What I recommend is somebody who comes into the ministry at 18 years or older. I don't, mean, I don't recommend them becoming a pastor right away. I recommend them going and becoming discipled. Go get some schooling in it. Go ahead and start searching after uh, more maturity in the, in the knowledge of the Word of God. Because it really does make a difference being older and preaching to an older congregation. So, you know, I started doing ministry. I was licensed at 18. But I didn't take my first pastor until I was 24. You know, the reason why is because I really kind of wanted to drive to the point where I wanted to get the Bible knowledge underneath me. I went to school for it. After I went to there, I went and became a youth pastor voluntarily at a church. Learned that underneath another pastor. The next church I went to, I was a student pastor underneath, underneath another pastor, kind of learning more and more and more what to do to be a senior pastor. Then finally at the church that I serve at now, I'm a family pastor, which is just another glorified name for a youth pastor, but with some extra benefits and extra responsibility. But I was able to take up an interim. Even at 28, it was kind of difficult to find uh, that kind of bridge between me and the older people of our congregation. <laughs> That's never a good way to say things. But having to be able to learn how to connect with them from behind the pulpit was really important because even at 28, I have a younger knowledge, younger age. A lot of congregations, a lot of denominations, though, will not look at you until you're 33 because they believe, or at least 30, because they believe that's when Christ started their ministry, so that must be the age requirement for them. 
think too sometimes there's that crutch of yeah you you might be really young be married want to be a pastor but you don't have children yeah exactly so they don't quite consider you as an adult because you don't have that responsibility of being a parent yeah that's one thing when we go into like the second timothy chapter three passage it says not only do you have to be uh old enough you don't have to just it's uh a male when it comes to that which is not a very popular thing to say only men can be pastors, but according to Second Timothy three, that's where we see that. Uh, you also have to be a man of one wife. So not only do you have to be married, but you also cannot be divorced, and you cannot be married to multiple people. Which, if you're married to multiple people, that's a whole other issue. Or I think including in there an open marriage. Yeah, even open marriage. So, and you have to be able to have control over your own household. Because how can you manage the house of God if you cannot manage your house well? So there's those kind of requirements. So they're not looking for somebody who's just fresh off, uh, fresh out of high school, who's just getting their life together. They're looking at somebody who is already established and be able to maintain their own household and lifestyle that way. So it's really kind of where you look at it. Wherever the church sees you as a mature Christian, that's the age limit. Also, you can take it in the complete opposite direction. Is there a moment when you were too old to be a pastor? No. As long as your faculties are together. I said keep preaching. Like, that's one thing when I became a minister. I don't think I'll ever, like, retire from the pulpit because I can't see myself doing anything else. You know, I might go into more of a bivocational or I might go back into, you know, there's no such thing as a part-time ministry or a part-time pastor. Even bivocational pastors are full-time ministers because you guys need us at every every chance you need us. I mean, just because I work two jobs doesn't mean when you go to the hospital I'm not going to show up and come see you. You know, just because I work two jobs, there's, there's a death in the family, doesn't mean I'm not going to come see you. So my job doesn't stop, even though I'll be bivocational or even half time as a pastor. That means I'll just focus most of my preaching time on that Sundays and Wednesdays. We're not going to really do much more with the ministry. I'll probably work with other ministers in that to fulfill the other goals. So my retirement would still be to be preaching, but not to be as much in the office as that way is. But to be too old for the ministry is kind of a redundancy because there's a lot of a lot of the apostles died doing ministry. I mean, John the Revelator died on the Isle of Patmos in the middle of exile, writing scripture and still being active. So that's where the where I say there's no real old age. However, I do know a lot of pastors whenever they get to a certain age where their health can't keep up, mm-hmm. where they're uh, Sadly, we've uh, come to know in our time together. By the way, this is my wife, Kaylee. She and I are this wife. We have memories together. Um, we've ha- met a pastor, and his name is Danny, who was blind. Served 20-some-odd years in the ministry. He stepped away from the ministry because he could no longer read the Word of God. So he's like, I can't preach from the Word when I can't read the Word. So he stepped away. There's another brother that I got to meet when I was doing a revival who has dementia. Still able to get up and go to church and was probably one of the most one of the biggest blessings I've ever gotten in my ministry was when he walked up to me afterwards and said, hey, you know, I don't know your name. I don't know what you wore the first day, but he's like, I can tell you exactly what you preached on every night so far. And that was probably the biggest blessing because the word of God stuck with him. But he stepped away from the ministry because he's like, I can't keep up because I've, my memory's gone. So that's really where you come down to, is there too old? Whenever your body's giving out, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, that kind of thing. All right, this question kind of uh, segues off of this uh, like a tiny bit. Can you preach, teach, lead, and be single? 
Ah, that's a good question. Uh, honestly, that goes back to that First Timothy 3. Can you teach, preach, and lead? You can teach as a single man, single woman, yes. Go for it. You can preach as all of us are called to be preachers. There's a difference between, that's where we have to come to that kind of fine line. There's a difference between being a preacher and being a pastor. A pastor cares for the flock. A preacher teaches the gospel. I am both a pastor and a preacher because I take care of the flock and I preach the gospel. Preacher is just, it's kind of like the same thing. Anybody can be a singer if they're singing something. Mm -hmm. So they're defined as a singer because they were singing. I'm called a preacher because I was preaching. So it's the action that describes the person. So yeah, you can do that as a single person. I don't recommend it simply for the fact that it is very difficult to do by yourself. I think, too, like when you're young and say you're 25, you're fresh out of Bible school and you go and be a youth pastor and you have no girlfriend, that also can put you in a lot of situations you don't want to be in because you're working with youth and you just don't want to be in those situations. Yeah, because it's always the single guy that is working with the youth or even some even single women who are working with the youth group that get accused of things. Yes. So like when I first started off in ministry, you you and I weren't married at the time. So that was a lot of the issues. While I was actually interviewing for a church, a pastor asked me, you know, you know well, you and, your, uh, you and your girlfriend aren't even engaged yet. So we hadn't even been engaged when I was interviewed for this place. Uh, what happens when you find a girl in the youth group? She turns 18. You like her more than you like your wife. What are you going to do? Or your girlfriend, what are you going to do? I was like, well, one, I've been dating the same girl at the time. I think we have been dating for about six years, five or six years. Like I've been dating her for a long time, and honestly, it's a lot more of a hassle to date somebody else than just to go ahead and marry her. But the reality is, you know, there's always a thought in the back of the person hiring you. So what I recommend definitely is whenever you go into those kind of ministries, you can do it single, but you have to be careful. Most definitely. And this doesn't even just apply to young people. It can apply to people who are maybe in their 40s and their spouse died. Mm-hmm. This it, this could be anyone, really. Yeah. Well, that's the way in like every job, too. Anytime you're working in a single environment when you're working with other people, especially those over the younger generations or in any kind of – actually, let's just say every work environment. Yeah. There are going to be accusations. There's going to be thoughts. Maybe, hey, are they dating? Hey, is he flirting with them or is she flirting with him? Or, you know, it doesn't – matter where you go it's always going to be a thought but the big reason why i say be careful being uh, doing these things being single is because this is a team effort mm-hmm. you know me and my wife decided hey we're gonna do a podcast together because this is a team effort you can't just a lot of people do a single person podcast but that's a lot of work on one person it's meant to be a team ministry is meant to be a team effort yeah, well, there are just things that I think I can do that you can't do, especially with relating to teen girl problems, because, you know, I was a teen girl, and so I can relate a little bit easier than you can, and, you know, you relate to the boys a little bit better than I can. And there's always that kind of mentality that, like, you have a lot more skills uh, when it comes to, like, the music side than I do, but when it comes to, like, the counseling side, you know, that's where I thrive, and that's really when you look at this team effort. We believe in a kind of a complementary view where yeah, it's not, not just necessarily uh, men have their roles and women have their roles, which is the definition of complementary. Both equally important, but different. Really, when we come down to like the view of how we work together in the ministry, we complement each other so well. So I recommend finding you that partner who's able to kind of complement you so well in what you do because it makes life so much easier. 
Yeah, I also think, like, you know, if you didn't choose to be single, like, let's say you are, you've been married, then you got divorced, you know, there are some things that scripturally you cannot do as Mm -hmm. a leader. Uh, Deaconship is one of those things. And, but don't let that discourage you from serving in the church. There are so many other things you can get involved in. I've met a lot of good uh, Sunday school teachers who were divorcees because they devoted so much time and energy uh, into their Bible studies. Because growing up, they were pastor's kids and things like that that really kind of drove into that. And they became fantastic Sunday school leaders, people who would make fantastic deacons, but are disqualified according to Scripture. That's why they're not in that role. There's plenty of places you can step up and help and even lead in. When we talk about this word lead, which is the third part, like we talk about preachers and teachers a lot, when we look at that lead section, remember when we talk about leading, the leader of the church is Christ. The under-shepherd is the pastor's. So if we're looking at the pastor's uh, kind of part of you, I do say you cannot become a pastor until you are married. I mean, make sure, man, of one wife, that mentality there is for a reason. The first ministry I was ever into, the reason why I was allowed to be a pastor at the time was because I was engaged. Mm-hmm. So I was becoming married. But when we look at uh, things like leading in separate ministries, leading like in the media ministry, leading in children's ministry, helping step up as Sunday school executives and things like that, Step up. You can do that as a single person. You can do that as a married person. Any place that the church desperately needs you, step up and lead in that. Step up with the men's ministry. If you're a single man, step up with the men's ministry. Help lead these men through rough times. Lead them towards Christ. If you're stepping up in the women's ministry, step up. Lead these women towards Christ because they desperately need that. But you're leading people towards Christ. Not to your goals, not to anything else. Towards Christ. That's the important part. All right, next question. What is your favorite book of the Bible? <laughs> that one's a hard one. Honestly, my favorite book of the Bible has to be the book of Revelation because I've spent so much time in it. I've studied it so much. Uh, I took actually a class in my undergrad degree purely on the book of Revelation where we only got through chapter 12 because there's so much packed into it. And that's what I like about it so much. There's, there's so much information there. We really think about it because there's so many theories that go into the book of Revelation. So I kind of drive towards that book as my favorite. However, when we think of a good book just to sit down and read, I love the book of James. It's challenging. It calls us out to be better and tells us, hey, stop being wishy-washy. Stop being, uh, let's say this the best way. Stop acting like you're not a Christian. Be a Christian. Be a better Christian. And I love that kind of mentality in the books because it's a call to do better. Yeah, my favorite book is Ephesians. And I have always really liked chapter 2, particularly. Um, I'll say my life verse is in chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And those, particularly verses 9 through 10, my mom always signs on our Christmas cards that we send out every year. And... It just has always touched me in a different way than a lot of the other scriptures have. I like that. Because that's one thing when you really kind of come to know scripture. When you talk about like your favorite book, you have to realize there's so much information about the Bible, so much that God could bless you through any of the books. So it's really hard to pick out one specific one. Like I love the book of James. I love Revelation. But my life first comes from the book of John. Mm-hmm. It's John 15, 13. Great love have no man in this that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's become one of my favorite passages of scripture. It's become my motto for life. 
just to be able to sacrifice time for others, to be able to lay myself down to help serve others because I love them so much. That's the importance behind it. So when you look at your favorite book, that's why it was such a hard question to answer because I like all 66 all 66 books of the Bible. And when we really kind of think about it, uh, well, except for numbers. Nobody likes numbers. No. <laughs> There's but, someone out there that likes book of numbers. Uh, if you are that person... Give us a a shout out. Yeah, please reach out to us. We want to find out who you are. (laughs) We will not mock you, we promise. (laughs) What else we got? All right, one final question for us. Is asking your pastor questions bothering them? No. Ask your pastor questions. That's also one reason why we started this podcast, because that is actually one of the biggest issues in the church. I don't want to go up to the pastor. He has a lot of other things on his mind. He's a really, really busy man. So I don't want to ask him any questions. Or uh, my pastor only works two days a week, so how much information does he really know? So it's kind of not worth it. No, really, guys, we're here not just to preach and teach on a Monday, or on a Sunday and Wednesday or any other service days you have. All right? We're here to be able to help lead you towards Christ and lead you into a better knowledge of the Bible and to be better disciples. So when you guys have questions, ask, especially on this podcast, if this is going to be your reach out, if this could be a start for you to have a conversation with your pastor. Because I might have an idea, Kaylee might have an idea, and us be completely off. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be completely sideways. Or my, your pastor might say, hey, yeah, I like what they said here, but here's what my thoughts are on it. Let this be a start for you guys to start asking your pastors. If you don't have a pastor, ask us questions. We'd love to be able to answer them. Also, if you just don't feel safe sometimes asking questions, you might feel like people will look at you and think you're not intelligent or maybe you're questioning the denomination you're in. You know, this is a good place for you to anonymously. We won't tell who's asking these questions. So ask away. Give us your toughest questions. Reach out because that's one big thing that you guys will uh, one day. Maybe we'll ever show you guys our script. What we have in front of us is just a list of questions. There's no names tied to it. There is no information to reach out to you guys back. Whenever you write chat to us on our DMs or through our email, yes, we have that information, but it doesn't wind up on our master list because we're not here to call you guys out. We're not here to shame you for asking questions. It is so important to ask questions to be able to be a better disciple. You don't learn unless you ask questions. Yes, as a teacher, that is true. Exactly. And that's one thing that I struggled with a lot growing up in education was I always thought, hey, if I can't figure it out, well, I'm stuck. I'm just going to fail that. No, ask questions. Because once I started doing that, once I broke that habit of just sitting still and hoping for the best later on, or maybe they'll cover it some other day, I really started to feel like I was failing. I was kind of being held back. So I raised my hand for the first time. We're not in school right now. This is a great opportunity for you guys to say, hey, how am I going to raise my hand? I'm going to find them on Facebook. I'm going to find them on Instagram. Find them on Twitter. Ask my question. I'm going to email them at askrevpodcast.gmail.com and give them, give them this opportunity to answer the question I've been holding on to. Yeah, so you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at askrevpodcast. You can also hit Wayne up on TikTok at rev.wayne and through our old-fashioned email account askrevpodcast at gmail.com that is askrevpodcast at gmail.com y'all we thank you so much for joining us on askrev a christian podcast the reason why we're doing this honestly is to help you guys out so please do reach out send in your questions be part of the group
subscribe, follow, like, share, all yeah. those good things. Do everything you guys can. Now, and thank you guys so much for being uh, starting of our new family as we're over here on this new podcast. You know, we thank you so much for doing everything you guys do to help support podcasts and ministries around the world. Anything we can do for y'all, please reach out to us. We love you guys so much. Until next time. Bye. Bye.